Good Thursday and welcome to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. Glad to have you along here today. We'll bring you feature agricultural news reports along with a look at regional and national agricultural news. And we'll start with regional agricultural news headlines right after this. Agroplante is the leading manufacturer in specialty products. Agroplante formulates products that rise to the challenge of today's growing conditions. Saline and sodic soils reduce crop yield and cause significant crop losses. Agroplante developed Cation EX5 Plus with growers in mind to manage soil salinity. With multiple years of research, Cation EX5 Plus has proven to be an excellent source of calcium and an effective soil salinity manager. Run it through drip irrigation without any issues. Simplify your application method with innovative and efficient formulations. Alleviate salinity stress with CAT Ion EX5 Plus. Agroplante. Imagination. Innovation. Science in action. Prices are picking up on avocados, and they're seeing prices slowly increase from the beginning of the year, according to Paul J. Maglio of Maglio Companies, who knows pricing is steady. They've increased by about $10 a carton since the start of January. Supplies of avocados this year are steadier and ampler than last year when Mexico saw an early end to its normal bloom season for the fruit. Mexico generally can go through April, but last year it finished up at the end of January. That hurt the early market for avocados, and it did not go back to normal until June. June or July when a California crop kicked in and helped with the demand, according to Maglio. That normal season is the one that's finishing up now as the season moves into transition before the flora loca crop becomes available for the summertime months. While 90 to 95 percent of the avocado imports currently come from Mexico, there is some Chilean imported fruit right now as well. Estimates are that it's approximately 5 percent of supplies, while Peruvian avocados make up the rest. That's a current mix and it will probably be the same When we get into that late May to early June time period, when California starts and Peruvian supplies kick in as well, he says. As for demand, he says it's good. There's decent post-Super Bowl demand for avocados right now. While everyone normally gears up to eat healthy in January, avocado consumers gear up to eat healthy in February. So demand is stronger now than in January, according to Maglio. Over the next few weeks, as the transitional crop comes on, the largest fruit will be harvested first and the larger sizes will increase in price, while the smaller sizes will only slightly increase given there will be less demand for smaller fruit. The larger sizes will go up 5 to $10 a box over the course of the next month. It will stay steady on those prices and then move into the high 30s, low 40s, almost to the point where you're hitting a dollar for a piece of fruit on the freight on board, he says. That should start coming back down by late April and into early May when there will be some relief and the larger drop will happen in June and push pricing back into the middle upper 20s. Looking ahead, avocados continue to grow in consumption and are headed to become the second most popular tropical fruit in the world by the year 2030, according to Maglio. And since we're on the topic of avocados, the Haas Avocado Board kicks off 2023 nominations with an announcement of open seats and news of moving its process online. Between now and March 31st, eligible Haas Avocado producers and importers can nominate themselves or others for one of 10 three-year terms opening on the board this November, six open seats for producers, four for importers. As a member of the board, eligible producers and importers will help HAB achieve its mission to equip the industry with vital business support 
tools and information, compelling nutrition research and communications, and sustainability practices. Individuals will have input on how HAV focuses and distributes investments, as well as the opportunity to collaborate with stakeholders across the supply chain for the benefit of everyone. The voting process will be digital ballots. There is a mail-in option upon request. All eligible members need to register online by April 12th to receive a ballot via email by April 17th. Additional dates for upcoming milestones are March 31st, the deadline to submit nominations. April 17th, ballots are emailed to all registered voters. And May 11th, it is the deadline to submit votes online. Nominees who obtain the most votes are submitted to the U.S. Secretary of Agriculture. The Secretary appoints the members and alternates to the Haas Avocado Board to begin their term on November 1st and serve through October 31st of 2026. They will officially be seated at the board meeting along with alternates on December 6th. For more information, go to HaasAvocadoBoard.com. California Giant Berry Farms is accepting entries for its annual Chef Invitational. Now in its fifth year, the California Giant Chef Invitational is a nationwide culinary competition that calls upon chefs to think outside the box and create innovative original dishes featuring fresh strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, and raspberries as the hero of the plate. The event invites food service, corporate, and restaurant chefs to compete by submitting a main dish recipe that showcases the versatility of fresh berries. Unique to 2023 submission guidelines, as a requirement for the recipe to fall under one or more of the key trends as identified by flavor in the menu, including Asian Breakfast Wakes Up, Mustard's Moment, The Dark Side of Butter, True Colors, and Time for Thai. A panel of judges will determine a group of semifinalists whose recipes will progress to a public voting round via the website to determine a People's Choice Award winner. The People's Choice winner and Chef Invitational finalists will travel to California's Central Coast at the end of June to tour various California giant fields and facilities, enjoy varietal tastings, meal events, and more. Following the tours and educational activities, the finalists will present their dishes to guests and a panel of judges during an exclusive event that will occur on June 28th, where the top chef will be determined. The top chef will receive a $1,000 check as well as a $1,000 donation to the charity of their choice. The top chef will have the opportunity to serve as the company's chef ambassador through a variety of in-person and virtual engagements. The People's Choice winner will receive a $500 check and a donation of $500 to the charity of their choice. The California Giant Berry Farm Chef Invitational continues to garner more awareness of the brand and highlight the abundant talent within the food service industry. For more information, go to promos.calgiant.com. Mandarin supplies look to be quite ample coming out of California. It seems like industry-wide there's a pretty heavy crop now with the rain and the abundance of the crop on the tree. It's moving kind of sluggishly in the marketplace, he says. Dieter Schellenberg of Schellenberg Farms. There are two factors contributing to the supplies, the first being pre-bearing acreage in the ground that has finally come into production. He says they've seen more and more planted over the past several years, but it's really hitting this year. The other part is the older trees can fall into an alternate bearing pattern and push a very heavy crop one year and then produce a very light crop the next year. The variety of Mandarin, the W. Mercot, tends to do that. Everyone with trees over a certain age seems to have that issue. 
and it does change the amount of fruit in the marketplace that year, once again, according to Schellenberg. With the crop being harvested slower than usual in mid-February, the season could run longer. Schellenberg hoped to ship into late April, but now says it's looking like there could be fruit on the trees longer this year. Seasonal rain has also contributed to that. The rain has halted harvest for a lot of growers in regions where the soil is heavy and maintains moisture for a long time. At the same time, harvest delays can help clean things up in a marketplace as shippers can only hold so much in cold storage. Schellenberg says that demand has been slower and he's questioning is it consumers tightening their belts and not spending money on premium citrus or maybe it's a competitive marketplace. He says he is not sure. Although demand is starting to strengthen slightly recently, pricing is maintaining lower than normal levels. What a difference a year makes. Last year at this time, Monarch Tractor was just getting ready to launch its all-electric driver-optional tractor into the commercial market. Monarch Chief Farming Officer Carlo Mondavi said now the company has begun manufacturing the MKV electric tractor at its pilot assembly plant in Livermore, California. So far, more than 55 units have rolled off the assembly line. But more importantly, the Livermore-based company has inked a deal that will shift manufacturing to a 6.2 million square foot plant in Lordstown, Ohio, operated by Foxconn. The plant formerly made General Motors vehicles. The move is expected later this year. The biggest thing that's happened uh, since then is that we, we've deployed and launched our tractor to our first customers. So we just did that uh, coming up this last December, uh, and now we're in the speed and scale mode. So growing to basically make as much impact as possible, save farmers as much money as possible, so really to grow our business. The MKV is a compact tractor rated at 30 kilowatts of power with a peak of 52 kilowatts. That's roughly equivalent to a diesel tractor with 40 horsepower and a peak of 70 horsepower. As an electric tractor, Mondavi said the Monarch machine has significantly more torque compared to a diesel tractor with the same sized engine. The MKV's battery can run for up to 14 hours before recharging, but actual life depends on farming activities. Monarch demonstrated their tractor at the recent World Ag Expo in Tulare, California. We have the Mark V tractor is basically what I've always thought of as one size fits all. You know, you can get in it, you can drive it, but then you can also automate all, your, all of the different operations you need done on the farm. So it's a compact tractor, which will allow for you to get more linear feet of fruiting wire per acre, but also it's twice the torque of a normal diesel tractor. So it allows for you to really be able to get in and do bigger, bigger operations for maybe wider rows, etc. The, the exciting thing is that that, that driver optional piece um, for the tractor is able to be turned on, but you can also drive the tractor and operate the tractor like any other tractor you would drive. So steering wheel, accelerator, brake, all of those things, three-point hitch, PTO, hydraulic pump. But then on top of that, there's the automation. And so we've always said, that's actually the tractor honking right now with human detection saying, that, hey, you gotta, you gotta get out of the way because I'm, I'm gonna stop. There's guardrails set up to make the tractor safe. But within, within the automation uh, realm, it allows for us to have an elevated level of safety as we're able to take the operator of that tractor, elevate their position from a tractor driver to a fleet manager, and keep, take them out of the most dangerous place on the farm, which is in the tractor seat. Among the wineries that have already ordered new MKV electric tractors are Constellation Brands, which purchased the first six to roll off the assembly line. Mondavi said Trevithan Family Vineyards also placed an order for two tractors 
tractors to use at, in its North Coast vineyards. Trefetha family is one of the great families in, in wine up in Napa Valley. They've been family farming there for uh, a very, very, very long time and make incredible wines. So great family farm and then Constellation being one of the largest drinks uh, conglomerates in the world. Um, one, of, one of the first, uh, you know, two, two really great first partners. We have a number of first customers that are just exceptional, but I really love that you brought those two up because one of them is, you know, you know, one of the top, top beverage companies in the world, publicly traded, big, big company. And then the other is a, a, a smaller family uh, farm that make both make, you know, exceptional wines. But I really love that, that you brought those two up because it shows that we are a family tractor farm and we're also uh, able to make impact on the big you know, at scale farms. As an all electric tractor, the MKV may qualify for cost share under the San Joaquin Valley Air Pollution Control District's Agricultural Tractor Replacement Program. It applies only to the eight counties within the San Joaquin Valley. To find out about tractor replacement programs in your area, contact your local air board. The Valley Air Board funding is on a first-come, first-served basis. Unlike other replacement equipment, which is funded on a per-horsepower basis, zero-emission equipment is funded differently. Producers may be eligible to receive 60% to 80% of eligible equipment costs, depending on the acreage they farm. Smaller-scale farmers receive a larger percentage cost share compared to farmers with more than 500 acres. The replacement program is only for equipment with Tier 0, Tier 1, and Tier 2 diesel engines. This is a huge, huge deal for both Bay Area and our, our state and our planet. Um, right now, turning on a small compact tractor the size of Monarch is like turning on 14 cars and it's knocks particulate and CO2. So this allows for farmers to basically get a subsidy to kind of trade out and, and migrate away, should I say, migrate away from fossil fuel burning vehicles and into clean uh, technologies like Monarch. We love this because it allows, you know, anytime that there is a change in a technology, there's always a little bit of uh, a headwind. And so this allows for us to have a little bit of a tailwind to give farmers uh, the ability to, to help you know, subsidize that transition, which is very important for not just the farmer profitability for us as farmers, but also for our planet, which is super critical. Cal OSHA currently restricts use of autonomous tractors in the workplace unless a human operator is at the controls. For about the next two years, Wente Vineyards has received an exemption to use the tractors autonomously and collect data on their operation. The Cal OSHA board said the thousands of hours of information is needed before it will consider revising the current rule, which was last updated in the 1970s. Monarch had petitioned the California Occupational Safety and Health Standards Board to update the ag equipment regulations in September 2022, but the board denied the request. Mondavi said Monarch continues to work with CalOSHA as the board moves forward with potential updates. In fact, the Association of Equipment Manufacturers hosted a tour at World Ag Expo for members of the CalOSHA board, agency staff, as well as Katrina Hagen from the California Department of Industrial Relations. Participants were able to learn more about agricultural autonomy from exhibitors. I think the first thing is that we are a company that wants to work with the government. We respect and appreciate what the government is always doing, um, and so we always just try to work with them. What that, that ruling was, we were trying to update the law because the rule hadn't, I, I believe it was since the 70s, that it hadn't been touched upon. It hadn't been changed in, in a significant amount of time. And so what we were saying is that we're not gonna try to change it, we're gonna try to update, right? And, and now there's automation, we can help farmers be safer, we can help protect farmers, we can help our planet, there's all sorts of benefits 
benefits to being able to have autonomous operations. And so, um, and we're also trying to show that, look, this is a safe technology. And so um, that ruling that they had was just saying that they're not gonna change the landscape at that time. That didn't change the fact that you can now, if there's no humans present, technically that's kind of the extent of where Cal OSHA ruling is. And so there is the ability for farms to completely basically create a, a barrier or a fence that says no, do not enter this area. And then you can run autonomous vehicles because there's no humans present. So it didn't change that piece, but what we want to really see, and also this is for the state of California, most states have autonomous, some form of, of um, the ability for farms to run autonomous vehicles. California just happens to have rulings that kind of touch a bit on it. And it's in the event that humans are, 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 are present. So we're still working with Cal OSHA very closely. It's something I'm, I'm really proud of our, on our government team is that we want to progress with them. We want to work with them. We want to demonstrate why this is so important, whether it's the ability to have autonomous functions, to be able to drive slower and be more deliberate and precise. So things like, you know, when you look at the 9 billion pounds of pesticides used in agriculture, being able to remove five of those billion pounds, which is herbicides, with 100% reduction when you automate mowing, you automate um, under the vine weeding or under the tree weeding or whatever, you, you literally take a, a herbicide, which is used, and you reduce that by 100%. It's not 20 or 30%. And so what we're trying to show to agencies like Cal OSHA around the world is that this is really what we need to do to be able to make it so farmers can be profitable, be successful, and also protect our planet. So it's been a really fun and, and um, interesting dialogue. I, I think that the great news is that Cal OSHA is, has been incredibly open to this and they do care about our planet and they do care about our farm workers. So they've been really, really, I think, looking forward to working with us to come up with this, whatever this, this future resolution is that Cal OSHA uh, and, and the autonomous vehicle companies around the world or around the state are able to kind of come up with it. Electric tractors, which once were looked at as more of a novelty, are quickly moving out to fields and orchards. And just like electric automobiles, EV tractors still remain a small percentage of the overall machines used to farm. But their numbers continue to grow and can only be helped by well-known wine-growing operations who have invested in their future. This is Vicki Boyd reporting for My Ag Life. And now for a look at National Agricultural News. Things are not looking as good in the dairy industry as they did this time last year. National Milk Producers Federation Senior Vice President of Membership Services and Strategic Initiatives Chris Galen says that milk prices are softer, feed grain prices are up, and that is being reflected in the USDA Margin Coverage Protection Program monthly price for January 2023. USDA announced the first dairy margin coverage monthly price for the month of January in 2023. And uh, it was below $8, which is the lowest it's been in probably 8 to 12 months. So if you're signed up for the program in 2023, you will get a payment if you're signed up at the highest level. It's an indication that we think margins are going to be tighter and kind of mediocre for a lot of the year, and particularly for larger operators, unless you locked in things like corn and soybean meal prices more than a year ago before inflation really hit us, you're paying a lot more to feed your cattle, and that's going to really put pressure, downward pressure on margins because the milk prices just aren't going to be as strong as they were in 2022. Galen says he hopes that inflation will recede and that there will be a good growing season for the feed crops that the dairy industry relies on. We'll have a nice robust growing season in the corn belt that will continue to allow those prices for corn and soybeans to drop. But, you know, if we still have dry conditions out west, that affects the alfalfa price, and that's an important price also for dairy producers. Chris Galen with the National Milk Producers Federation. 
Republican Senator Mike Lee of Utah leads a bipartisan effort to reform agricultural checkoff programs. Lee was joined by Democrats Cory Booker, Kristen Gillibrand, and Elizabeth Warren, as well as Republican Paul Rand in reintroducing the Opportunities for Fairness in Farming Act. Checkoff programs are mandatory Department of Agriculture fees assessed on a per-unit basis that fund boards designed to promote the commodity as a whole. However, Lee says checkoff programs are filled with waste and often abuse those who are forced to contribute to their coffers. Among other things, the bill would prohibit checkoff programs from contracting with any organization that lobbies on agricultural policy. USA recently offered its latest look at trends in the organic sector. USA Ag News reporter Rod Bain. A drop in organic ag commodity sales per the most recent annual numbers issued by USDA. Yet economic researcher Sharon Raskap Skurbiansky cautions reading too much into the 4% decline in organic product sales in 2021. 2020 was an anomaly year. 2021 sales are still higher than those from 2019. We have to keep into consideration the macroeconomic context, the way that it affected consumers' budgets, as well as historical growth in organic retail sales and the continued consumer interest in organic foods. While certified organic acreage was down in 2021, the number of organic farms increased year over year. As for the value of organic products... In 2021, the value of certified organic agricultural products surpassed $11 billion. There were increases in value in most of the top-valued commodities like apples and corn for grain, as well as eggs. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. In preaching the emphasis of voluntary incentive-based conservation programs at USDA, members of the U.S. Senate Agriculture Committee also put down some markers and red lines for conservation incentives in the next Farm Bill. Leaders for USDA conservation and forestry programs testified recently before the committee, which continues to check off hearings for different parts of the Farm Bill. Senator Debbie Stabenow, a Michigan Democrat and chairwoman of the committee, stressed the importance of senators moving to pass the next Farm Bill with strong bipartisan and support. She credited support lent to conservation and forestry through roughly $40 billion in combined funding under the Inflation Reduction Act. With that funding, Sabenow says they are finally able to address the backlog of farmers who want to be able to use these important conservation tools. And Senator John Bozeman, a Republican from Arkansas and ranking member of the committee, reiterated the need for working lands conservation and ensuring that programs such as the Environmental Quality Incentives Program and Conservation Stewardship Program program provide flexibility to deal with producer-focused concerns at the local level. Bozeman also stressed that the push for conservation should not mean that Congress take on risky proposals that endanger the safety net, tying crop insurance to incentives for certain conservation practices dictated by those in Washington, D.C., should be off the table so they can ensure this program continues to serve as a vital risk management tool for producers. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. 
Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.